which kind of lines up with the message today. I won't be in James, just your disappointment. <laughs> I remember when we were down in uh, Yuma, Arizona, a couple of winters ago, that the pastor there, uh, he made a statement one Sunday that kind of stuck with me, and that was that uh, he said, most sermons have three points, and my, I myself, I'm quite guilty of that, and of course, Pastor Dan usually had three points. But, he said, the problem is there's a better chance that people will remember what you've said if you only have one point. So, uh, <clears throat> that's my plan for this morning, and I hope you can pick it up, the one point. Uh, I'm sure most of uh, you recall the story of Moses, and uh, who sent out the 12 spies uh, to uh, check out the promised land, as you recall. And then 40 days later, uh, the group came back and returned uh, with an opinion. They gave an opinion about the land, uh, Numbers 13. And 10 of them said, in no way can we t- take possession of that land. With its giants, descendants of Anak there, and with the fortified cities, we can't do it. But two of them, as you recall, Joshua and Caleb, disagreed. In Numbers 13.30, Caleb said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. And the rest of the spies that went up into the land, the other ten, said, uh, let's go back to Egypt. Remember that? Uh, They said that a few times as we search out the scripture. But not Caleb. Uh, He said, uh, uh, we can do it, guys. Uh, We can do it, folks, as he turns around to the congregation. We can overcome. Well, you know the story. The majority won out. Proof that the majority are not always right. Uh, So the people picked up stones, the scriptures tell us, and their plan was to start stoning Caleb and Joshua just to keep them quiet. And then God intervened. Through Moses. And he said, Because of your unbelief and your lack of faith in me, that I would have helped you conquer that land, you will wander 40 years in the wilderness, one year for every day that the spies spent in that land, as a penalty for your unbelief. In Numbers 14, 23, God went on and he told Moses, he said, These people shall by no means see the land which I swore to give to their forefathers. And then in Numbers 14, 24, God said, But my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit, uh, and he followed me, Fully, he says, I will bring him into the land. And as you recall the story, God spared both him and Joshua from the death during those 40 years wandering in the wilderness. So we can safely say that Caleb began his walk with God well, good. But did he finish well? Did he finish well? Well, let's see if he did. When the older generation, that old generation, all died off in the wilderness, it was Caleb's turn to claim the portion of land that was promised to him. After five years in the, 
in the promised land, Joshua leading them. Uh, Joshua, they led this new generation, as you recall. Caleb said to Joshua, he says, I was 40 years old when Moses sent me to spy out this, this land. Now I'm 85 years old. Just give me a rocking chair so I can kick back in my last days and enjoy life, what I've got left. No, he didn't say that at all. Your Bible didn't say that, neither did mine. But he did say, give me that mountain up there where those giants are. And let, me, let me read it to you to, so you can say, well, Jim just didn't say this. This was said by somebody else. Uh, that goes back in Joshua chapter uh, 14, verses 10 through 12. He says, And now behold, the Lord, this is jo- uh, Caleb speaking, Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am 85 years old today. It's his birthday. I am still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. And then give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day, way back there, 45 years ago, for you heard on that day that the Anakim were were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord, perhaps the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out as the Lord has spoken. There you are. I was uh, 40, 40 years old. Now I'm 85. And he writes down here, as you notice, he said, I'm still as strong today at 85 45 years, as it was 45 years ago. Have you ever said something like that? Don't believe it. <laughs> Don't believe it. It's, uh, but in this case, we can assume that God gave him physical strength to go through. The point is, age has little to do with Caleb's faith that God would help him finish well. As you read on, it seems that's exactly what he did. And that's the title of this message for this morning. And the challenge for each one of us today, uh, no matter what our age is, are you finishing well? But today we want to center in on a, a different man, another guy that we're all familiar with, who didn't live as long as our friend Adel. Caleb did, and yet he accomplished a great deal in the short life that he did have on this earth. His secret for his accomplishments was similar to Caleb's when God had noted that he had a different spirit. In fact, this man was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was born, and that amazes me. If you look in the scripture, that's in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 15. I don't know, you might, but I don't know of any place else in the scripture where someone was filled with the Holy Spirit before they were born. But it says that uh, while he was still in his mother's womb. 
And his name, of course, is John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Great guy. As Jesus noted. So let's stand and as we're reading a short portion of scripture here in Matthew, chapter 11, Matthew 11, 1 through 6. I'll read it out of the New American Standard here. Excuse me, Matthew 11, 1 through 6. And it came about when Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John in prison heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and he said to him, Are you the expected one or shall we be looking for someone else? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Verse 6, And blessed is he who keeps from stumbling over me. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word, the challenge of it. I just, just this morning, God, as you laid upon my heart a, a part of this that I, I, I never realized before even though I worked on it all week or two. So we pray, O oh God, that uh, you'll help bring out those truths to each one of us. Uh, you've got something to say to everyone here. I don't care what their age is. I don't care how close we are to finishing, Lord, on this time on this earth. But God, that uh, you'll speak to our hearts, as you have so many times. We pray, God, that we're open to it. Some of us have walked with the Lord so long that uh, perhaps it's all... Clichés almost, uh, old stories we've heard before. But perhaps there's something here today that would touch us, would speak to us. And that's what we, we want to hear from you, Lord, today. That's why we're here. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated, folks. I find this to be a very interesting portion of Scripture let me point out why I say that. The first thing we notice is that John, or the disciples that came to Jesus, were the disciples of John the Baptist. He had his own followers. That's what a disciple is, his own students. And it was uh, <clears throat> as uh, J- uh, John, at this time, was in prison. We notice that in verse 2. Why was he there? Well, as you recall, John had confronted King Herod about his sin of taking, uh, um, of taking the wife of his brother Philip to be his wife. And John told Herod that according to Leviticus uh, 18, 16 and twenty twenty one, that it was unlawful for Herod to have his brother's wife. You recall the story, I'm sure. So Herod had John thrown into prison Probably just to keep him quiet, to shut him up. But that didn't seem to satisfy Herod's wife, Herod's wife, remember? Um, Because uh, after she had her daughter do some fancy dance, which we can only imagine what that was, for Herod, and Herod was so impressed that he said he'd grant anything she wanted. You remember that? It was was greatly appreciated, her dance, that The daughter comes back, and he says, you can have anything. And daughter comes back, talks to mom. She says, it's pretty simple to me. I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. 
brought here. Wow. That took Herod by surprise. And shortly afterwards, it seemed to happen. He brought John. But before that happened, before that took place, John sent his disciples with this request that we saw here in verse 3. Are you, Jesus, the coming one, the expected one, Luke says in that same portion of Scripture? Or shall we be looking for someone else? Otherwise, are you the Messiah, the promised one that we've been looking for for thousands of years? Are you the one that uh, way back in Genesis 3.15 we expected, everybody expected to come? Are you there? Now I ask you, what happened to John's faith at this point? As while he was in prison, he seemed to have his doubts that Jesus was the promised Messiah. In light of the fact that when John was baptizing the hundreds and possibly thousands of people as a sign that they repented of their sins, and that he even cried out, he says, I, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And then the day came when Jesus went to John to be baptized. And John said, "Ah, we shouldn't do this. This should be the other way around. I have need to be baptized by you. In Matthew 3, 14. And in the gospel of John, the apostle, John 1, 15, says John the Baptist bore witness of Jesus. And he cried out to the crowds. He said, this is he whom I've talked about spoke of before he who comes after me is has a higher rank than i than me for he existed before me which is an interesting statement really considering in john in luke chapter 1 verse 26 john the baptist was physically born before six months prior to when jesus came to this earth when he was born if you notice that and yet John says, Jesus existed before me. So it's somewhat, it's an interesting statement considering, you know, that uh, if he believes that, if he states that Jesus existed before him, it kind of shows the deity of Christ here. That he believed that Jesus was from heaven and came down. He existed before me. Also in the Gospel of John 129, John the Baptist said, that when he uh, saw Jesus coming to him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How who could do that? But Jesus, the Messiah. And in fact, John the Baptist witnessed the Holy Spirit, as you recall, descending as a dove upon Jesus at the time in which he was baptized. And in John 1.34, it was John the Baptist who said, I have seen and have bore witness that this is the Son of God. He said that. Also, when John's disciples informed John that many of his disciples started following Jesus instead of him, John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. John 3.30. So now, it seems that while John was in prison, doubts, doubts seemed to creep into his mind as to if this Jesus that he had talked about was truly the promised Messiah. So I ask you, what was it that affected John's faith, 
at that time. What or who put those doubts into his mind as he was looking at those four walls in that dark, dungy prison? Was he discouraged or distraught because of his situation of being in prison? Considering his young age, he couldn't have been over 34. Jesus died at 33. Give him another six months. We know that Jesus died at 33, 33 and a half. So here he is, a very young man. Maybe he thought, why am I in prison? When I could be out there preaching to the multitudes, preparing the hearts for the promised one yet to come, as I was doing before I landed here. And if this Jesus truly is the Messiah, he could get me out of here, couldn't he? It's real easy. He did lots of miracles. So I could continue to do what I was called to do. Why doesn't he? Jesus just things. You won't find that in the Bible. Things that cross your mind. I believe, folks, and I think you do too, that it was Satan behind his discouragement and his doubts. The same one who's behind our discouragements and our doubts. Perhaps John could see the handwriting on the wall, we don't know, that he had never make it out of prison alive. His time on this earth was up. He was in his last days, maybe his last hours. Maybe he could see that. That's why he sent the disciples out to Jesus. So, folks, let's take it to where we are today. At least the ones of us who have a few gray hairs on our head. And yet, not to exclude the younger folk who go through periods of discouragement, periods of depression, periods of doubt concerning who Jesus is and what he has done and who he is and how he's done it for us. Now, is it possible that as we get closer to our time to go home to be with the Lord, that we too we begin to have our doubts. Is your faith beginning to waver? Especially maybe during this pandemic, we could say. Especially if you have a prolonged illness and has a death sentence attached to it, such as cancer, heart failure, MS, Parkinson's, Lou Gehrig's, they have that death sentence. It's just a matter of time. My brother has Parkinson's. He's just waiting. He went to a Parkinson's group uh, years ago. They had four or five support group. He went to every one of their funerals. He was you know, easy. He is still alive. I just talked to him yesterday. Still waiting, but he knows it's going to get him. Parkinson's got every one of his friends. A death sentence. A prison. A prison in itself that will eventually get you or get me. Remember, folks, Satan has followed you all around and follows all of us around, myself included, all of our lives. And he will eventually do, he will ever do everything in his power to not only discourage us, but to ruin our witness for Jesus in our last days. He'll throw everything possible at us, including doubts about our salvation, 
about trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, all those ugly things you did before you met Christ, they pop up every once in a while. You'll put doubts in your mind that you have eternal life with Christ, with God, when you leave this earth. Now, in saying that, let's go back to this scripture for today and see what Jesus did to reestablish and encourage John's faith and to remove all of John's doubts about Jesus. Verse 4. Jesus said, you go back, guys. He's talking to the disciples and John the Baptist. You go back and you report to John what you have heard and what you have seen. The blind see, the lame walk, <clears throat> the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, etc., etc. Proof as to who I am. Changed lives after their encounter with Jesus. With me, he says. Now, folks, <clears throat> I believe God will help you and I recall those times in our days of discouragement and doubts. What miracles he has done in our own personal lives <clears throat> to boost our faith in those times when it comes to our last days. Such as recalling a miracle. A miracle, and it was a miracle when we were born again. A time when we surrendered. When you surrendered and I surrendered our life to Jesus Christ. Mine, of course, I've told you, in July of 75, I can recall it. That was a miracle. That was a big one. What about you? Can you recall a time and a place when the Lord just touched you? And you know it was different. You know. I had a guy talk to me a few weeks ago, and he says, Do you believe that I've born again? That I'm saved? I don't really know, my friend, but you know. And God knows. As he touched you. And what brought you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? What was it? Next, if you ask God, he will help you recall those times that you prayed to him in different situations that you know within your own heart that it was God himself who answered those prayers. Let me tell you of one. What have you seen and heard with your since your encounter with Jesus? I'll tell you, like I said, I'll tell you about one of mine. I might have told you this before. The mind goes sometimes. You can sleep during this part. I promised somebody that wanted to sleep. <clears throat> if you've heard it. But it boosted my faith, and it still does today, just talking about it. The time I was pastoring the church in Sanders, Idaho. When I woke up in the middle of the night and I told Lou about my dream or a vision that I had, uh, remembering that old men dream dreams and young men seem visions, as Joel 2.28 says, I was 43, 43 years at the time, old at the time, and if you were young, you'd probably say he's an old man. But if you're at my age now, you'd probably say he was young. So I wasn't too sure if it was a dream or a vision, but, but I said... I was sure that the Lord wanted me to start a church service in the little town of Emida, 11 miles over the mountain from the church that I was pastoring at Sanders. 
So I thought I would put a fleece out to the board, church board, and find out if this was true. I told them that I felt God wanted me to not only reach out to that small community over there, but to start a church service on a Wednesday night, Wednesday night, which would interfere with our Wednesday night prayer meeting that we were having at the time at Sanders. So I told him all about this, and one elder said, Jim, I I want to talk. And I said, okay. He says, we need you at this prayer meeting, Pastor Jim, he said. So I said, okay. Uh, I guess my dream could be caused by... uh, Something I ate the night ate the night before, instead of God speaking to me. <clears throat> but anyway, and they said, and that guy, same guy, said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." He said, "You go ahead and start the service at Amida, and we'll hold the prayer meeting here and pray for you." Praise the Lord! It was the Lord talk to me. I said. So <clears throat> next I started over to that, <clears throat> excuse me, I stepped out in faith, believing that God was leading me. And I drove over that pass to Amida, started going house to house, covering those houses, which was no big deal. There was only about 150 people there, so I don't know, maybe 40 houses. And they're mainly trailer houses on the side of this hill. It was a logging town, pretty tough area, really tough area. So... <clears throat> And I informed each one and left a flyer in some of their homes that weren't there that we would be starting our first service Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Now, you got to kind of picture this. In that old schoolhouse I pointed down there that I rented for $20 a month, <clears throat> November 6th, we're talking winter. The snow was already on the ground. <clears throat> in the winter, we'll start this. So there's a few odds, a few reasons for people not to take it in. Then when that night came, after kneeling down in the basement of that floor in that schoolhouse, I remember that because I had to start the furnace and I was down there and I prayed, Lord, I've done what I felt you wanted me to do. Now it's your turn. Uh, And I was beginning to have my doubts, to tell you the truth. Excuse me. And just then, I heard the door open upstairs. And I, and I tell you, I couldn't believe it. Uh, because I had no promises that any of those people would come to that service. No direct, they'll say, I'll see you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Seven people came through that door. I think there was two or maybe three adults. I can't remember, maybe Lou remembers that. But I know there were some teenagers who came with them. <clears throat> and that night, two teenagers gave their life to Jesus Christ. They came in on snowmobiles. I remember they came in the back way. I saw them. So, praise the Lord. I thought, wow, this is something. We continue to have services there. <clears throat> the following Easter, all the way through the winter, at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. And the following Easter, we started a morning word, morning service, 8.30 a.m. 8.30, not 10.30, not a comfortable time. 8.30, 32 people came to that service. 20% of the population of that town, of that community. A miracle. That was a miracle. 
Eleven people came to Christ in the next year and a half that we had that service. It might be an old story to you, I can't remember. But I tell you, it boosted my faith tremendously. I witnessed similar uh, answers to prayer when we planted churches in Marino Valley and in La Grande, Oregon. <clears throat> Lots of everyday miracles, too. You got current event miracles. Maybe you don't write them down, but just a couple of weeks ago, we got time? No, but I'm still going to do it. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, I was coming from my son-in-law's place uh, in Deer Park, Williams Valley Road. And we had construction. I don't know if you noticed the construction lately. My wife sure notices it. But anyway, uh, road construction, we, it was a little bit of a grade. And I was driving my 54 Chevy pickup. Now, usually I check some of these things, but I didn't do it this year. But anyway, and I noticed as I was sitting there, my brake pedal just went right to the floor. <clears throat> and, 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 and you might say, well, you still got an emergency. Not in this 54 you don't. And you can stand on that emergency brake on level ground. It still rolls. But <clears throat> anyway, so I said, well, that guy, and I was on an incline. I wasn't going. If I would have been down, I would have hit the guy in front of me. But this guy just turns aside just about then, slow. So I followed the guys, and my mind's going, now where am I going to have to stop? And I was going along, keeping up with the traffic. Next stop is uh, 395. And so, and every time I come to that road, 395, as you know, lots of traffic. What am I going to do? I shifted down to, it's a four-speed, shifted down to, I just kind of crept along, and the other guys behind me, which I'm pre- sure they appreciated that, and, but I didn't know what I was going to do, but there was a break in traffic. I didn't have to make a complete stop. So I drove out there, and going down the road. And the next stop, of course, is when you, It'll turn lane to go into uh, off 395 to go into 292, I think it is, Loon Lake. So I thought, well, if there's somebody coming ahead of me, what am I going to do? Maybe I'll go on and try to find another road, which there is one up ahead. But sure enough, there's a break. Made that trap turn, and it went down through that road. And uh, next, if you ever drove that road from Loon Lake, I'm sure you have, into uh, Springdale, there's a little hump there. It's just slow down to 25, no problem. I could slow down to 25, but uh, I couldn't stop. Here's a incline. So I said, oh, Lord. And, and, and all the time, I'm, I'm not really praying. I'm, I'm working on this song that I'm going to plan to sing today. And it's called, uh, Does Jesus Care? And uh, so, do you really care, Lord? So anyway, I'm plugging along. And, and it was good. It was good. I could, nobody in front of me or nothing. And so I could turn. And as I turned, I glanced to my left down the Catholic church. And there was a, a white car parked there. And I thought, oh, this could be a cop. But I didn't quite make a complete stop, obviously. I slowed down pretty good. But I made it. Well, the next one, I'd have to turn on to a Four Center Road. Which we had. No problem. There was a break. There was a guy coming towards me. But he was going faster than I was. I made it. And I come into our driveway, come up to the shop, shut the key off while it was in gear, and I stopped. But I had nothing, and I'm not lying to you, right to the gun. I checked that master cylinder, it was dry as a bone. But I made it. Praise the Lord. Just those little 
things that come into your life, huh? That you know God is there. He cares. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, anyway, everyday things happen to us. But what about you? Do you uh, recall such times of your answered prayer in your life? Of big miracles and small ones. Oh, the big one to me was when I came to the Lord. The small ones are something like that. What have you seen and heard as Jesus told his apostles or the disciples? <clears throat> oh, the Lord might not have delivered you from your prison of your terminal illness or your friend, your relatives, your others that you have been praying for to be released from prison, their prison of terminal illness. And I'm convinced that John and his disciples prayed for his release. It won't, it's not in your Bible or mine, but I'm convinced that sure, they didn't just say tough luck. John, you can stick it out in that prison. See you in the next year or the next uh, uh, earth or next. I'll see you in heaven, John. No, he didn't say that. They prayed their heart out for him. Perhaps there was hundreds of them prayed for him to get out of prison. We need you out here. But he didn't get out. He wasn't released. Folks, God will help you recall those miracles in your life so it will erase all the doubts in those times of discouragement just as he did for John the Baptist. What have you seen? What have you heard in your life? How have you witnessed the hand of God in your life, your own personal life, <clears throat> and maybe nobody else will believe it, but you know it's true. I, I got just just I don't know how many of you read the Daily Bread, but I was fascinated by this. Just the other day, here I'll read it to you. During her ministry of men incarcerated in South Africa's most violent prison, Johanna Flanders Thomas witnessed the power of Christ to transform hearts. The Vanishing Grace by Philip Yancey describes her experience. Now listen to this. Johanna started visiting prisoners daily, in case you didn't read it yourself, just a few days ago, bringing them to a simple, she just brought a simple gospel message of forgiveness and reconciliation to them. She <clears throat> She earned their trust, got them to talk about uh, their abusive childhoods, and showed them a better way to, of resolving conflicts. The year before her visits began, the prison recorded 279 acts of violence against the inmates and the guards. The next year, there were two, two from 272. Does that boost your faith? It sure does me. Go back and tell them what you've seen and heard. It was a guy that what I heard in a, a, a regular Sunday morning service that influenced me for Christ because he told me when he, he just stood up and said when he was saved. That influenced me. What can you influence? Who can you influence? <clears throat> How have you seen and heard 
about other people's lives have changed since they've met Jesus. That's what you've got to remember. Testify. Tell people about it. And notice verse 6 again. I almost missed this in verse 6. It says, Jesus said, Blessed is he who does not fall away on account of me. I, I almost missed that verse. I thought, well, what's that have to do with the price of rice in China? But it's pretty important. What Jesus is talking about here, why would we fall away or stumble? Why would we? On account of Christ. You see, folks, John expected more from Jesus than what he had experienced in the past. Think about that. Possibly uh, to uh, somehow get him out of prison. So that affected his faith in Christ to the place where he doubted, he stumbled. Remember, the word of God never promises us believers that we will physically live forever because we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, in the end, whether it's cancer, heart failure, a car accident, or our head is cut off, as John Hope not, as John's head was. Something's going to get us. And folks, I believe that Jesus is saying here in verse 6 is that when we have prayed for ourselves and our loved ones, our relatives, whoever, to be healed or to escape those prisons of physical illness that is attached to them a death sentence, and God has not let them escape from that prison that we should not let it affect our faith in him to the place where we fall away, where we stumble. The Good News Translation. This is a translation, verse 6. How happy are those who have no doubts about me. That's what Jesus said. So keep in mind... It's not enough to start well when you first put your faith in Jesus, when you first trusted him to be your savior. But it's just as important and perhaps more important that you finish well, finish well, each one of us. Satan would love to ruin your witness and mine in our last days. Is your faith being tested today? You're having a little trouble with it because of the virus, perhaps? The faith is, what's happening here? We might have asked ourselves, as it just continues to go, go, is it being tested? Lord, forgive me for my lack of faith in those times of trials and troubles and turmoil in those dark times. Help me, Lord, to recall what I've seen, what I've heard, what my eyes and ears have witnessed, how people have, lives have changed. I think of my brother himself. Have you seen people's lives change before your eyes when they've trusted Jesus? That's what he's saying here. Go back, you tell him. Tell them about a brother like mine who was an alcoholic. 
And he was delivered from his alcohol, not through a, uh, Alan, what is, not Alanine, but uh, A or what is that? What's it? Yeah, right, through AA. He never went to a meeting, but God delivered him. He, he testifies to that. His life has changed. That's been like 40-some years ago. He hasn't touched a drop. Tell him about those people that you used to know that they swore every other word, and now their mouth is cleaned up. Tell them about the people that, that maybe this is all you, that, that all of a sudden you work with this guy and he was in such a turmoil all the time. Stress was just pulling him down. And everything, it was a crisis. And now he has a peace about it. He just seems to let it rip attitude. God is with me through this. Tell him about that. It's quite a deal to have a testimony. Sometimes we overlook that. And be quick to tell him how, what the Lord has done for you. How he's changed you. Recall those times. I got a song here that I'd like to sing for you this morning. working on it, but uh, I haven't got it all down yet, but it, it, does Jesus care? Does, it, does Jesus care? I, that's what I was thinking about John the Baptist. Does he really care? I'm sure John says, my cousin could get me out of here. He could have kept me from my head being cut off. I doubt if he said that. But anyway, does he really care? The guy that wrote this song his name was Frank Graff. He wrote it in 1901. I, I, I thought it was a new song. I heard it twice in the last couple of weeks. And I told Lou, I says, uh, it, it, this must be a new song. She said, no, it's an oldie. I said, oh, yeah, right. She found a book for me that uh, it said he wrote it in 1901. He was born in 1860. He was 41 years old when he wrote this song. And as far as I know, it's the only song they wrote. But he was discouraged. He, he was on fire for the Lord. The people said that he was, he was called, the, uh, what did they call him? I wrote it down, sunshine minister. The kids loved him because he always had a smile on his face and a story to tell. And, and then something happened. I don't know what. Didn't say in this book I read. It knocked him down, down, down. Down so far he had to reach up to touch bottom. But he was down, discouraged, depressed. And he looked at this verse, this verse that uh, been brought to our mind more than once, 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. That's you and me. The second verse of this song that I did not memorize, <laughs> but I got it here. It says, does Jesus care when my way is dark? With a nameless dread and fear. That's what we're going through. As daylight fades into deep night shades, does he care enough to be near? He's near you 
through this trial, folks. Don't doubt it. He's near. Excuse me. It's a great song, I think. It pretty well speaks. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth and song? As my burdens press and my cares distress and my way grows weary and long. Oh, yes, he cares, I know he cares. His heart is touched by my grief. When my days are weary and my nights are dreary, I know that my Savior cares. Does Jesus care when my way is dark? With a nameless dread and fear As the daylight fades Into deep night shades Does he care enough to be near? Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it almost breaks. Is it aught? To him does he see. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched by my grief. When my days are are weary and my long nights dreary I know that my Savior cares I know that my Savior cares Let's stand, folks, for a word of prayer.
Father God, let's remember that in those times when we're just kind of down. And he does care. It's just not a bunch of hullabaloo. It's true. You care. You care so much you died on that cross for us, each one of us. You cared to, to change our lives. We don't even want to remember what we were like in those B.C. days. We just want to live for you today. Why? Because of what you did for us. The miracles you do every day, the miracles you did back then to bring us from the pits right up to where we are today. Oh, we may not be where we should be sometimes. We have to go to you and say, God, forgive me. I should not have said that. I should not have done that. God, forgive me. But God, increase my faith through those times when I know it was you who intervened. It was you that did the work. Help us to trust in that. Help us to look back in those times, Lord. We just thank you for each person here today. We pray, God, that you lift their heart if, if they're kind of down in the mud right now. God, just touch them. You know who that is. We don't, they don't have to say, here, well, here I am. No. You know who it is. They've kind of neglected a few things and even talking to you. Maybe they're even a little bitter. God, forgive them. Touch them. Lift them up. And tell them, just put your arm around them. Tell them how much you love them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for each person here today. Go with them and help them be a witness to the guy they work with or the gal they work with. To the people in the supermarket and the gas station and the ones that do not know Jesus. They're looking for hope right now. They're looking for something to grasp. And we've got it. Just tell them what we've seen, what we've heard, how Jesus has touched our life. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.